Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Welcome, everyone. Please uh, have some tea. It's going to be uh, self-service today. And uh, Danielle is here. We uh, placed something on the altar from her dear mother who passed a few years ago, and that represents all our family members are here. This uh, Nehane, or Paranirvana uh, ceremony, is traditional in uh, Mahayana Buddhism. It was requested by our members a couple of years ago because people just wanted an opportunity to remember their family members and uh, friends who had passed from this visible world. And it's always lovely. Later, uh, we're going to set up an altar in our house uh, in front of uh, a wall of pictures we have of our family members. Um, And we bring the kids over. And it's one of the opportunities during the year to say, this is your grandpa and this is your grandma. She's not here anymore, but she's with us in our hearts, and your uncles and your aunts, and uh, the kids uh, learn a little bit about their heritage. Today represents the day, traditionally, when the historical Buddha passed from this visible world, and I say from this visible world because part of our Mahayana beliefs is there's no birth and no death, so no place to pass. You're going to hear a lot about that in the little death poems we're going to read Uh, Later, that's uh, one of the traditional themes that, uh, yes, gone from sight, but yet here as much as we ever are, something like that. We recite uh, the verse uh, of homage to the Buddha's relics, the Shadidaimon, and that takes a little explaining too. You know, after the Buddha died, they wanted a way to remember him, and so they took his ashes and they took Uh, what was left, and they spread it around India. And somehow uh, the worship of the relics of the Buddha, the physical relics, the teeth, the bones, the ash, became perhaps the centerpiece of Buddhism for a while. All the pagodas, have you seen them in South Asia, the gold ones in Thailand? Usually they have inside uh, quite often a relic of the Buddha, a piece of bone or a tooth. Here, And even Japanese pagodas, that is the Chinese and Japanese version of that. We have one here, and uh, I don't have a, a piece of the Buddha as such, but when I was in China, a fellow gave me a leaf from the uh, Bodhi tree, which the Buddha uh, is said to have sat under in India, and so in there is a part of the Bodhi tree in our pagoda here. But within 30 minutes' drive here of scuba, tree leaf, there are two teeth of the Buddha. And, uh, you know, actually, if you go through all of Asia, you'll find teeth of the Buddha, which makes me always, makes my little joke is, he had a really, really boundless smile because his teeth are everywhere. It's a little bit like the Catholic Church in in Europe. You'll find uh, reminders of saints and 
it's a visible way to remember. But when we recite today the relics of the Buddha, it's not necessarily about a piece of bone or something like that. What are the relics of the Buddha? Let's read this, and uh, I think it will become clear. With wholehearted gratitude, we bow to the relics still present of the true body of the Tathagata Shakyamuni. See? Still present. When we sit Zazen, how much more present than that can it be? When you open your eyes, there are the relics of the Buddha in the sky, in every tree. In the breeze, you're going to hear a lot of references to the moon, to the breeze, the blowing, the wind blowing. These are the relics of the Buddha. In your own heart, the memories of your family members are the relics of those people. Still alive. Still alive. And that is what we say is the still present relics of the true body. The true body is not a body that's made of flesh and blood, you see. Oh, it is. It includes the body of flesh and blood, but the true body is the great, the great, ah, is the true body. And these are the relics we celebrate. The true body who is fully endowed with myriad virtues to the Dharma body, which is the truth itself, and to the whole universe, which is his stupa. Stupa is a pagoda, as I said. The whole universe is his pagoda that contains the relics, you see. You are the stupa, not stupid, the stupa that contains his relics. With deep respect, we venerate the one who lived his life for the sake of all beings. We remember the Buddha for his teachings. They are alive today in our practice, so those are his relics. Just as we remember all our great heroes, Gandhi, uh, Moses as a symbol of liberation, are alive because in our hearts the meaning, the teachings are kept alive. So it is with the Buddha is as live today in his teachings as he ever was. Through the sustenance of Buddha, the truth enters us and we enter truth. Let us strive to benefit all living beings. Arouse the thought of awakening. Cultivate bodhisattva practice. Bodhisattva is our vow to help all the sentient beings. Let them realize this peace, this truth. That's our bodhisattva vow. And together we enter perfect peace. The penetration of the equality of all things. Now let us reverently bow. That's the real relics of the Buddha. You see. And it also is for our family members and all the people, our Buddhist ancestors. You know, there's a traditional historical line of Zen ancestors going back. And some of it at a certain point becomes kind of symbolic because we have to say, just like your own family, you may know who your grandfather is, you may have a semblance of idea who your great-grandfather is, but after that, I bet in your family it gets a little fuzzy. 
However, you know there were people there, and because of them, you are here. Because somebody kept it going. Somebody raised a family. Somebody did the job they needed to do. Somebody built a house. Somebody plowed the fields. You're here. And so our Buddhist ancestors, we may not know all their names. You know, after a few hundred years, it gets a little fuzzy. We can go back to Dogen, back to China a bit, and after that, you know. But it was somebody, and we express gratitude to them. There's a plaque up there that means that, especially my nearest uh, father and my grandfather. My father, Nishijima Roshi, my teacher. His teacher, uh, Niwa Zenji, was the abbot of Eheji. And that's his calligraphy up there that says, look, what does that look mean? Look in your heart, look outside, and you will see the relics of Buddha. Look, it's all right here. That's the look. It's a look beyond inside and outside, all present right here. We honor them. We honor all the people in our families because they are still alive with us as we honor them. And sometimes they were difficult people, and sometimes they were beautiful people, and sometimes they were very mixed, like most human beings. And at this point, they're gone, and we forgive them. You have to. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. Sometimes it's some, some, I've had victims of child abuse here, and they say, how can I honor my father? And I say, he suffered. And at a certain point, he did some terrible things, but he was also a victim. That's how we say metta later, even for the difficult people. So I encourage people, I know it's difficult sometimes, to even offer remembrance to the, the people who sometimes manifested some things that were quite ugly. But we celebrate them too. We celebrate it all. We reject none of it. It's all the Buddha's relics, the beautiful and the ugly. And those Buddha's relics are a certain beauty that sweeps it all in. Traditionally in Japan, there were memorial services for the deceased. And uh, the first, you have one, the funeral, and then you have one uh, every seven days for 49 days. And then you, it continues um, through the year. You have one at the one year, and I believe the seven year, and then the 13th year, and then there's a whole series, and the 33rd year. And uh, you remember people, and gradually their memory fades, you see. A lot of people never get to the 33rd anymore. You know, after 10 years, people, the, the memorial services tend to drift away. But the point is that these memories are kept alive in our heart and they fade into the world. The memories fade and people's spirits, but yet the effects of what they've done are still here. Those generations, a thousand, two thousand years ago, the Buddha, 2,500 years ago, are we not still feeling the effects of all who lived before. We're grateful for that. We bow to that and say thank you for the good and the bad sometimes. If you ask Japanese priests where people go when they die, they're a little kind of ambiguous about it. One reason is uh, traditional Buddhist beliefs, you know, was about rebirth, but Japanese belief was sometimes about how the spirits just kind of hang around and watch over us. And Japanese funerals really are a little mix of that and traditional Buddhist beliefs about rebirth. So part of it is ambiguous. He's reborn, 
but at the same time, Grandpa's still hanging around watching over us. So we're, <laughs> if you if you push a Japanese priest on that, they get kind of, well, uh, you know. But the Zen teaching, as you're going to hear in these poems we're about to read, is also, let be what will be. It's been, what has been, has been. And this moment of dying is this moment. And what will be, will be. I think that resonates. You don't hear many of these Zen poems where they say, may I come back as a diva or may I please keep me out of hell. Sometimes you hear that. But a lot of them are very accepting. Life is, was life. And what will be, will be. And now death, this was written on the deathbeds of people. Death, let death be death. Right here. You hear that all through these poems. Now, what are these poems? Tradition in, in Zen. For a fellow, if he's in good enough condition, I'm sure not everyone was in, able to do this, to uh, write a poem with a brush and get up into the lotus posture and die sitting zazen. Uh, my joke is my poem is gonna, probably going to be the, the following. Morphine! More morphine! Please! Nurse! Nurse! That's my poem. By the way... Uh, let me just put it at my will, my last will and testament on the uh, record here. If any one of you, my, my, my great students, are still around and you still put up with me enough when I kick the bucket, which could be five minutes from now or 50 years from now, no big funeral, sit Zazen, right? Basically do what we've done today. Have a little Zazen Kai. My wife is going to take some of my ashes, put it in the backyard if she's still around, and put some of me on Scuba Mountain, and we're done. Okay, that's there. There was a, my last will and testament. There you go. Now, let's uh, look at some of these poems. I'm not going to offer many commentaries. They speak for themselves, but I'll, I'll do what I can. These are the, the great translations of Joel Hoffman. I believe Daniela, the other Daniela, or we have two Danielas, posted uh, his book, which I recommend to everyone if you're interested in this. Uh, first from Zoso Royo. I pondered Buddha's teachings a full four and eighty years. The gates are now locked about me. No one was ever here. Who then is he about to die? And why lament for nothing? Farewell. The night is clear. The moon shines calmly. The wind in the pines is like a lyre's song. With no eye and no other, who hears the sound? I'll try not to spoil these poems with too much commentary, but sometimes in Zen poetry, the, 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 the moon or the sound of the wind is a symbol for that which is beyond all discrimination, enlightenment. And if there's no I and no other, what is there to hear? You know, the ear has to hear something. Right? You need an object to hear. But when there's no I and no other, what is there to hear? And I would say the sound, the song, the music of Buddha is what you hear. But anyway, I'm spoiling these poems with my, my nonsense. Let's read Zosan Junku. You must play the tune of non-being yourself. Nine summits collapse. Eight oceans go dry. Here I go again. I'm going to ruin this. The nine summits and the eight, eight, eight oceans is a reference to the traditional way the earth was seen. The earth was seen as uh, 
having nine mountains and eight oceans with a great mountain in the middle called Mount Sumeru. This was the traditional Buddhist view of the cosmos. So what he's just saying here is that when I go, the whole world collapses. Boom. It's very similar to the little discussion we had about Uchiyama Roshi, who said, and people wrestled with this, when I go, the whole universe, when you go, your whole universe goes with you. And people said, what do you mean the whole universe goes with me when I go? And I said, notice what he's saying. He says, your universe goes with you. And it's a, a little bit, I don't mean to get into physics, but like Einstein said, we all have our own being time. We're all in our individual universe, even though we're all together. And you have your universe, and I have my universe, your experience. And when you go, it goes. So the world collapses as you collapse, returns to the great non-being. Okay? Look how I'm ruining everything with my pouring. What, what is the saying here? Pouring uh, frost on snow, I think one of the, the, the uh, poems say. Make, just putting extras on nothing. That's something that's perfect. Yakuo Tokuken. My six and seventy years are through. I was not born. I am not dead. Clouds floating on the high, wide skies. The moon curves through its million-mile course. Perhaps again, the, the sky and the clouds represents the great, oh, here I'm doing it again, the great beyond discrimination, open, boundless, and the clouds floating through are all the this and that and complexities of the discriminated world. The moon, again, enlightenment beyond discrimination, but it travels, travels, keeps going like the world keeps turning. Anyway, I was not born, I am not dead. Get your head around that, folks. What else have we here? Daido Ichi. A tune of non-being, filling the void. Spring sun, snow whiteness, bright clouds, Clear wind. Ungo Kiyo. Let me spoil this before I read it. What he, he's talking about Miryoku. Miryoku is the Buddha of the future who will someday come. It's a little bit in Buddhism like we say Jesus is going to come back someday. Well, our Jesus who's coming back someday is this Miryoku Buddha who's waiting in the, in the, in the waiting room to come back, but it's not anytime soon. People debate this, but it uh, could be millions of years. And then you have the historical Buddha. So he's saying, I'm alive between these two times. I came into the world after Buddha. I leave the world before Miryoku. Between the Buddha of the beginning and the Buddha of the end, I am not born. I do not die. Tosui Unke. Seventy years and more I have tasted life to its utmost. The stench of urine sticks to my bones. 
It's a very realistic image of maybe a man in his sickbed. What matter all these? Ho! Where is the place I return to? Above the peak, the moonlight whitens. A clear wind blows. There it is again, the reference to the moon, to the wind. Ho! And another one we're going to see in a, in a second is Ka! These are like Moo! These are expressions for the great emptiness. Ho! Ka! Moo! There are some Rinzai priests who can outmoo me. Boy, let me tell you, they'll knock you over with their ka and their moo. Takuan Soho. Now, there's no poem here because they, they said, Takuan, would you write a poem? And he went, leave me alone. But they said, come on, guy, we need something. So they gave him a brush, and he wrote on there, on a piece of paper, just one character, dream. Taigen Sofu. I raise the mirror of my life up to my face, 60 years. With a swing, I smash the reflection. The world as usual, all in its place. Shunoku Soen. Adrift between the earth and sky. Um, let me add my frost right here. That means alive in the world because the world is between the ground and the sky. Just alive in my day-to-day -day life. Adrift between the earth and sky. I call to the east and change it to the west. I flourish my staff and return once again to my soft source. Ka! Muso Soseki. Muso Soseki, I'll tell you a little about. He was actually a big mover and shaker. He was friends with the emperors and the daimyos. He was very, he, he was almost as much a Zen fellow as an advisor and polit not politician, but a very influential man who, who helped reform the Japanese governmental system at the time. So this, this was a guy who was very much connected to society. Let's put that. I just want to give you that background when he when we read his poem, Muso Soseki. Thus have I rolled my life throughout, inside and out, reclined, upright. What is all this? A beating drum, a trumpet's blare, no more. There's a poem in the Diamond Sutra that says, what is all this? A flash of lightning, a passing bubble. Just snap of the fingers all his great moving and shaking just a beating drum a trumpet's blare no more musho josho when it comes just so when it goes just so both coming and going occur each day the words I am speaking now, 
just so. Mumon Gensen. Life is an ever rolling wheel, and every day is the right one. He who recites poems at his death adds frost to snow. Kozan Ichikyo. Empty-handed, I entered the world. Barefoot, I leave it. My coming, my going, two simple happenings that got entangled. I told you about cots and hope. Well... Kogetsu Sogan, here is his poem. Ka, 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 ka. I wonder, we have giant crows around here, and they make that sound. Ka, ka, loud, it'll knock you over. I often wondered if that might be. Some people say, you know, the crows are black. And the, they're all ex-priests. The bad priests all come back as the crows going, ka, ka. Well. Because they're all dressed in black robes, you know, the black crows. And they're, they're here in Japan. They're huge. They're as big as dogs. Giant, giant crows. All right. Hoshin. <coughs> Coming, all is clear. No doubt about it. Going, all is clear, without a doubt. What then is it all? Sometimes to leave with a question and to have the great doubt is the answer. Just let it be. No doubt about it. Gizan Zenrai. I was born into this world. I leave it at my death. I was born into this world. I leave it at my death. Into a thousand towns my legs have carried me, and countless homes. What are all these? A moon reflected in the water. A flower floating in the sky. Oh! A flower floating in the sky is sometimes taken to be a symbol of something like an illusion, a dream, a figment, a mirage, a figment of the imagination. Gi-un, fifth abbot of Eheji. And this poem also represents, resonates with Dogen, who comes next, who was um, the first abbot of Eheji. So what does Gihon say? All doctrines split asunder, Zen teaching cast away. Fourscore years and one, the sky now cracks and falls, the earth cleaves open. 
In the heart of the fire lies a hidden spring. Um, the spring that you hear in the poem from Dogen and probably here too, in traditional Chinese belief, it was the, the river Hades. It's the river that carries you into the next world. Here it's the yellow spring. Whatever the river that carries you into the next world is the river of the springs that they're talking about here. Probably. Dogen Zenji. Fifty-four years lighting up the sky. A quivering leap smashes a billion worlds. Ha! The entire body looks for nothing. Living, I plunge into yellow springs. Now, the, the, you would think that this is a lost art, but some modern teachers have left us beautiful poems. And the one that um, came into my heart was by... Uh, Reverend Stuckey, who died in 2014. He's from the San Francisco Zen Center. And it was uh, actually wonderful, a modern age. Um, you know, if I have my wish, I hope, I, and this is going to sound awfully bleak, I hope my death is a slow one and I can share it with all of you. I, I'd really like to, you know, we got, hey, the first, you know, I'm going to go on Google+. Plus. Right? Someone's going to have to turn it off, though, after, because I won't be around. But uh, uh, anyway, but Steve uh, shared his death. Uh, he had cancer, pancreatic cancer, and he shared his death with everyone and left us with great, great wisdom, including this final poem he left us with. So we'll read this. This human body truly is the entire cosmos. Each breath of mine is equally one of yours, my darling. This tender abiding in my life is the fierce glowing fire of inner earth, linking with all pre-phenomena, flashing to the distant horizon. From right here now to just this, now the horizon itself drops away. Bodhi! Swaha! Something like Wisdom, hail, something like that. Now, I noticed Joe Yoke uh, just came in. Joe Yoke, don't worry. The great thing, the unique thing about our Zazen Kai is we're probably the only Zazen Kai in the world where you can come in the middle and do the beginning later. You can't do that any other Zazen Kai in the world. You know, if you're late at Dogen's time, if you were late when Dogen was talking and you missed, he recited Bendowa and you show up at the end, you missed it. You know, you're going to have to maybe get the notes later from somebody. Our Sazenkai Joyo, you can catch all this and be part of it when you get a chance. Okay? Well, that is um, all the poems. I hope uh, maybe you'll write one. You don't have to wait until you're on your deathbed. You can write these anytime. Um, uh, you don't have to use a brush. Word processor is fine. But uh, any questions from anyone? Anything at all? Okay. Good. Well, anything? I'm not pressing you, but don't be shy.
can can find the motive of rebirth in these poems. I don't know if I'm just missing it. Zen folks were about very much as you get from these poems in general. Whether they believed in rebirth or not, they were traditional people, probably if you pressed them, they, they might have believed or not believed, but the poems all say, what will be will be, what was, what was, and this moment of dying, be in this moment of dying, right here, here it is, something like that. So let that take care of itself. Yeah, this is, this is my impression too, that yeah. it's, you know, they're overwhelmed by this experience they're having in the last. Well, I hope when I'm in that situation, I'm, I, I have I don't know if it's the last, but you know, the experience of dying you know, is sort of greater than anything else. You know, somebody said, this, this sounds really bleak, but it's not if you think about it. Somebody said that Zen practice is just years of practice for exiting gracefully. I hope that's true. I, I got a feeling I'm going to be on my bed kicking and screaming and driving the nurses crazy. So if that's all, maybe I, I don't want you to see that so much on, on Google+. Plus. You know, Nurse, where's my ice cream? No, you know, that's going to be me. But... Uh, uh, some people said that when well, we're sitting Zazen, we're just practicing how to be beyond birth and death and how to die gracefully in this life. But I don't know. I leave that to you to figure out. It's also about learning how to live gracefully in the meantime. Right? Die gracefully, and when you die, just die. Live gracefully, and when you live, just live. Dogen said that many times, something like that. Anything else, my friends? Okay, let's recite the verse to close the sutra then. And then we'll sit a few, uh, a few minutes of zazen, short zazen. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast zazen, retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.